Um, hey, what's up? We're just preparing to do a episode here about uh, Adam Curtis's latest um, docu series. I don't even know what is it called. Something about mountain. Thunder, no, it's called I Can't Get You Out uh, of My Head. Uh, okay, sorry. Because he has weird... You know what... <laughs> Is it called something about mom? Are you recording now? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, but I, he, no, but I'm stopping. It's just why? a test. Why? But that's good. I kind of like... Actually, it's actually perfect. It's a good introduction. Because you can't even remember I just said, the name It's good because I can't... You know, you know why? We'll just roll. Let's roll. Because yeah, I wanted to finish. The reason I can't remember is the title... The, the way that it's called because there's... A, I guess because it's like there's a bunch of episodes and they all each one has a different title. And then... There's so many title cards in the actual documentary them, itself that I, you know, I get confused and I don't even know which one and, you know, you know what I'm saying? Anyway. But I, I kind of want to announce the, uh, the name of our episode. Get out of my head, Adam Curtis. <laughs> no, please. Just P- please. Please. Yeah. So it's a episode. We're on episode seven, I think. I know you're not, you're not a big fan of um, numbering our episodes on air. Only, no, only, only in the feed. You like to name number them. You think it's a boomer thing to do, actually? I think there's something like Gen X a boomer, but at the same time, probably by being like the kind of the, doing the the boomer thing, you make it easier for people. Yeah, probably. I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I see your point though. So anyway, so we're gonna tackle the, I guess the show, but not, but not really the show because okay, we watched three episodes out of. Yeah. I imagine there's six out there. I don't know if they're all available on YouTube. Maybe. Yeah. Initially, yeah. I want to disclose that Yasha was super averse to even, I'm I'm into even tuning in for like yeah. I don't know five five minutes. Didn't want to watch it. Yeah. But then, and I kind of was dreading it too, because hypernormalization. The previous Deku series by Adam Curtis was pretty insufferable, mostly. And uh, the reason we finally decided to watch it and even talk about it is um, because our friend uh, actually Rowan who was uh, already deep into the series told us that one of the episodes um, has uh, Edward Lamonov in it is basically one of the main characters of mm-hmm. the episode and uh, and then I got curious how how would Adam kind of cover him what would be the angle yeah where's it going mm-hmm. and and that's that's I think what what brought us there and uh, I can't say <laughs> time yeah. well spent I mean, cannot say that I mean, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big uh, big fan of Adam Christie I, mean, I appreciate his work a lot <coughs> You know, I mean, as as a lot of people do, and I mean, I remember even the first the first time I watched his one of his one of his documentaries uh, was uh, it was the uh, this, the century of the self, um, and it was like it must have been almost twenty years ago, probably well, maybe like it 18. came out I think in two thousand two. Yeah, so but it's, I probably almost. I probably watched it around I'd, I'd want to say like two thousand four. I can't exactly remember the year. It was I was just finished. I just I had graduated from Berkeley. I was living in this scummy warehouse off of Gilman Street uh, in Berkeley by the railroad tracks and just a, f- a friend from 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 college uh, just kind of we peep, I don't know where he I don't know where he heard of it but he we, we turned it on you know on, on like one in my computer in my room and we we watched it and I mean it made it a profound impression on me I, I didn't even know who he was I didn't know the name I didn't really even like he was almost he had this underground quality I had no idea it was you know even associated with the BBC it was kind of interesting um so I just thought it was like some kind of almost an underground tape that someone made. Um, and I had no idea that it was based actually on the work of this um, pioneering uh, historian of uh, um, Stuart Ewan um, that you actually studied with. 
very very weird coincidence yeah we could get into that later but anyway i i it had a profound effect on me and when i watched some of his other work you know years later because i didn't i never i didn't watch anything by him um after that i don't think his stuff was that easy to 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 watch i know there was like for a time on the internet there was this because there was no youtube back then there was none of that i think someone uploaded his stuff even like let's say seven years ago wait uh, on vimeo or there would be he was on the torrents i guess yeah anyway i'm just saying it it seemed very underground and very um like subversive particularly because you know the the century of the self was about like the rise of public relations and it's how intertwined it was with um the study of the mind and psychology and um um sort of the 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 um, obviously Freudian um, sort of analysis, but all but psychology sort of in a larger sense of it, which is about you know figuring out ways to manipulate people so they buy shit and do things that people in power want them to do. And it, it, for me, it was it was it, yeah, so it had this very subversive quality, particularly because I just gra- had just graduated from Berkeley with a degree in cognitive science. And you know cognitive science is basically a degree in, in psychology, you know cognitive psychology. So I had learned kind of the more, um, you know, uh, the more sort of the standard education that you get as an undergrad on that. Uh, and it's all, you know, it's all about the, the medical dimension of this, um, uh, of the science, right? The quote unquote science, because I think a lot of it is just pure science, pseudoscience. And, um, but, and so it, what wasn't discussed at all was like the political uses of, this, uh, of, of the study of the mind and why people in power are actually you know, uh, so so interested in studying the mind and studying how people react to things. I mean, and, and so it had this, it was very eye-opening, you know, in, in a way that even, a, you know, uh, one of the best educations in the field in, in Berkeley, in UC Berkeley, didn't really provide to an undergraduate. You know, it didn't go into the political side of psychology and the use of psychology. So I, 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 it stuck with me and I remembered him, I remembered it, you know, so he, he's a guy that I've watched for for a long time and respected for a long time, but... And then, and then, right, it was kind of surprising when basically you would say after hypernormalization, so it's been yeah. four years, he's breaking into mainstream, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, I would never think 10 years ago when I, I yeah. guess found out about him first through you, I would never think it would happen like that. Yeah, no, he's, it's, it's incredible. He's having his mainstream moment. It's pretty cool. It's kind of, it's great to watch. It's, he definitely deserves it. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, and, and he's actually, for my book Surveillance Valley, I, um, you know, I actually quote parts of... Um, some of the interviews that he did um, in um, All Watched Over by Machines of Love and Grace, um, you know, which is his like big sprawling history about the rise of computer ideology and libertarianism and game theory and sort of neoliberalism and how on uh, computational um, ideology um, and how sort of all of that stuff is intertwined. The modern world is intertwined with um, with the rise of computers and the kind of the the, the philosophical and ideological underpinnings of of this field and of our modern way of life. Um, and so I, it, it, particularly his work on the communes, you know, how about the, the, when he, there was some great interviews that he did with former commune members who lived in these cybernetic um, utopian communes where, you know, they ran on this sort of decentralized libertarian or, you know, cybernetic principle where the, they were supposed to be function like I don't know, like according to the laws of nature like and horizontal, kind of this, uh, yeah, right? like the, kind of there was no structure, and you know, they turned into these very, very um, uh, tyrannical um, societies where you know people with strong personalities dominated the the ones with the weak personalities, and it fit into my whole large, sort of larger narrative that I was exploring in Surveillance Valley. So his work is, I mean, I've respected it, I've used it, it is, it's influenced me, but I got to say that you know, like in, in recent years, I've just been. 
I don't know what it is. It's like partially, I think it's he's sort of gone a little bit off the deep end and um, has kind of gone into these fraying narratives that don't never really make much sense or don't really tie together. Or it, I've just become a little bit, um, become a little bit just, uh, I don't know, it doesn't hold, it's it, it, it lost, his, his method has lost its power over me. Or just the, the very nature of our, like the, our media environment that we live in today, which is just saturated with video, saturated with analysis, saturated with people explaining to, history to you, you know, um, like podcasts, video broadcasts, all this stuff is like, so I don't know if it's just his, maybe partially, you know, that's what's sort of made it lose its magic, or maybe it's a combination of all of these factors, but I've just been kind of, I mean, I've been mostly just kind of annoyed by his, um, by his uh, latest work and, 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 and more and more prone, keen to, or just more and more the, 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 the faults or like the cracks in his in the way that he presents the work or the the, the uh, are, are are more are more visible to me. Yeah, and, but the, and, and the insight annoying. that I have by because again sort of by accident first 2015 um, when I went to graduate school in New York. Uh, so mm -hmm. it turned out I'm actually I didn't even know I don't I don't know where, where like my head was, but basically it turned out that Stuart even uh, the guy who wrote um, initially this um, I think it was a bestseller like a book PR history of spin yeah. on which century of the self is actually based even if it's not super obvious with adam as always yeah. on one book is what based uh but that's basically all most of the ideas are from Stuart's book yeah uh, so Stuart even was actually the creator of my small graduate program and he also taught uh, like seminars there yeah uh, and he's famous for what what is he what is Stuart Ewan famous, famous for? for yeah like what he well he I think he's still considered the kind of primary expert and the, the original historian of the PR propaganda industry uh yeah industry of PR in a in America because mm -hmm. it started in America and he actually got to meet Edward Bernays mm -hmm. he had like number of books that do you remember the uh, uh, God you would know oh, that Captain, Captain, Captain of, of Consciousness, consciousness. consciousness that was yeah. a big one yeah, so he's uh, so he has many books. He's a he's an awesome, awesome guy. I met him a couple of times. When I finally realized, whoa, that's Stuart Ewan, <laughs> and he's teaching my seminar. And uh, I asked him obviously about Century of the Self because by 2015 I obviously watched it and was fascinated by the film. And he was immediately I was surprised. It's for the first time I met a person who wouldn't be like head over heels over it because he was immediately kind of a bit. He wasn't praising it obviously as much. Gotcha. Uh, Stuart is like kind of the guy behind the ideas. Of, of that film was a bit um, I don't know not he, he wasn't like offended or anything but he immediately was open with me and I think other students said basically Adam Curtis was kind of not necessarily twisting anything specifically but definitely like narrowly focused on constructing a certain narrative that he wanted to construct yeah. that is not necessarily True. I don't know the full truth of what let's say even found out the, or the full truth of the full historical truth of yeah. that industry and it was you know no, and it was done well and it's probably you need to simplify yeah for documentaries yeah as someone who's work make, working right now editing a documentary about like water politics yeah. and, and just generally you know we, we've been working on this on this documentary for years I mean I so it's a pretty serious thing like I mean not I, I'm pretty I'm, I'm sure that you know what Stuart Ewan is saying is right but like it's just you for for visual it's mostly visual stuff you so have it's to hard, yeah. you have to radically um, constrain the amount of information and the amount and of choose, nuance, and, and the amount, yeah, and the amount of him. nuance, exactly, and, and choose a pretty clear narrative, you know, through this thing, and 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 
almost in a in a very in a very you know um, very like totalitarian way cut away everything that doesn't like that that isn't really in service of it unless you're trying to complicate some unless part of the narrative is complicating some aspects of the narrative mm-hmm. you know which is also works but i mean it's 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 you and, and for me i always like kind of getting into the weeds of things and getting things right it, it does feel a little bit like, like i'm a little bit like a fraud because you have to almost simplify things down in a way that like approach you know approach something you're almost a distortion you know it it, it, it feels it feels that way and and so but I, I don't know i don't know what like what did he well i'm just curious yeah like so he just was a, his his criticism was that it was just like super narrow fully focused on bernays to the exclusion of everything else basically yes basically yeah. no in that segment and then obviously the documentary itself is wider because yeah. actually remember that there are a number of parts and not yeah. everything bernays is there is like this kind of the central yeah. character but not everything is about him and then there are other obviously parts to the doc that has nothing to do with Stuart. Yeah. You know, when he gets into Ayn Rand. Yes. I mean, that's not, that's not based You know what's interesting book. about the, yeah, what's interesting, what, what I, when I found out that actually, the, mm-hmm. actually you had already gone to, you already were in the program and then you met, you met Stuart Ewan and then, then only then did I realize that, oh wait, like Century of the Self, you know, primarily is based on his work, on, on Stuart Ewan's work. I didn't know. It's something, and I was, and I, it actually surprised me because it was like, wait, I had watched that document. I had watched the interview itself several times. And I know that Stuart Ewan, actually, I'm remembering, I, Stuart Ewan was interviewed. He appears as a talking head. He appears as a talking head, but it's not clear that, like, he's like the basis of the documentary or that his work is the basis <laughs> no. of the documentary. And actually, it's it's kind of, that's kind of fucked up, I think. You know, I, 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 not, I wasn't sure. But that's sure. the style of Adam Curtis. He just generally never gets into this yeah. kind of mode. Hey, and then I read the, he, his narration is yeah. not the narration that allows for this sort of, um, I don't know, introduction of. Yeah. Um, yeah, of, of people and uh, whose ideas he's basically using, I guess. So, uh, so that's that's his style. But generally speaking, now thinking about it, I, I didn't immediately connect. But yeah, the whole like uber laser focus on Bernays, which is partially true, and that slightly reminds me of other like problems with his other films, where yeah. it's like he chooses this character, builds him up into this like big villain, yeah. and there's something villainous about them and effective. But then it's not like fully true <laughs> yeah. in terms of their, their role he uh, ascribes them like I guess Surkov, Surkov thing is similar if because, you think because about Bernays, it because Bernays is interesting because he's tied to obviously his uncle is uh, uh, Sigmund Freud Sigmund Freud yeah, yeah and, and, um, and so Bernays might not be like the primary guy who invented you know uh, public relations or propaganda uh, in uh, uh, one of the like main practitioners or the creators of the craft um, in Cal- in America, but he is. But you want to like basically single him out if you're telling a great story because for because story, he, yeah. because then you can then you can trace Freud mm-hmm. and his theories about crowds and all this stuff yeah. to you know propaganda and the rise of public relations and, and it marketing. sounds way more menacing and almost yes. uh, in this kind of like mystical way because yes. this is like blood relatives. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I guess again, and it, he's such a great character. I highly recommend you to read actually the book PR History of Spin. Yeah, um, it's actually even been translated into Russian. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is, I was surprised, yeah. It's kind amazing, of cool. yeah. yeah. I wonder, did Surkov read it in oh. Russian? <laughs> well, we'll get into the Surkov thing, because I think it's another... It's a, it's yeah, but a, it is in Russian. Yeah, I bet Surkov can read in English, so it's, I'm joking. But, um, Surkov got the idea by but, watching yeah, Adam but, Curtis's but movies. One thing I actually remember uh, vividly from the book, I don't know if it's in the series, but I think it impressed Stuart, too, because Stuart is like, like, like more like an American, and he kind of learned about all this like evil things going on around him. Um, 
is that Bernays, he was very open about what he was pursuing, very honest, and uh, that is that that is completely that that has changed. Yeah. And that honesty kind of came from the fact that he was almost like this kind of European old world aristocracy that is yeah. open about what are they doing, how are they managing, and what do they want to how they want to manage basically the world and the people. And uh, the, since they kind of almost frequently talking to their equals, yeah. there's nothing to hide exactly. in terms of what they're doing. They obviously the um, the tools they're using they're tricky, but when they're actually talking about their craft and what they're doing, they're very honest. He doesn't have and, to. He wasn't trying to hide behind the facade no. of democracy no. and egalitarianism <laughs> and all that. At all, he was it's very. Always, it's straight. like that's a. It's like basically like pre. I guess it's like pre World War Two era Gustav kind of. Gustav Le Bon was like that. Once you start reading other books, yeah. because it's not. It, Bernays is not some sole creator. There are other people who, again, yeah, would openly write about how to manage. How yes, to manage how to people. manage the how to manage democracy and mm -hmm. how to manage uh, manage people and. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, that's interesting, yeah, because again, there was in the, in, in the early part of the 20th century, like the very uh, the beginning of the 20th century, there wasn't this pretense of, of democracy and that shift happened. Um, I mean, basically, I, I think it happened after the, the, you know, during the Great Depression. I mean, there's a whole history behind it. But yeah, it was it was it was it's interesting. It, it, you liked it because it was he seemed more honest, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think Stewart, like, and it's yeah. it's surprising to, it actually kind of surprising. But I, I don't know what Adam Curtis' take was on him and what fascinated him. I bet that mm -hmm. element too, because in some way, in some ways, it seems more menacing because when a villain openly talks like a villain, this is like this is yes. a great character. But on the other hand, I actually find it less menacing because there's honesty there. Mm -hmm. And when you do what's whatever what whatever the bubble we're living in right now with all this lizards. <laughs> Using some kind of I don't I don't know what the language they're using. Clearly not. It's not honest. Mm -hmm. They don't say what they mean. They don't mean what they say. So that's yeah. That's very different from what was happening hundred years ago. How Bernays would talk. But anyway. But that's like that's the praise. The kind of the the, the positive part I guess of what we were excited about. You know the film was, and uh, you know Century of the Self that was made in two thousand two. But we're we're doing this to talk about what's what happened today, which is can get out of my head. Yeah, I mean, and why get out? Yeah, can't can't get out of my head is the name of. The yeah, can get you out of my head. Yes, we've only watched three episodes so far, right? I'm not watching more. I feel yeah, like. I maybe maybe. I, you know, you know, one thing I'd like to say is just off. Uh, it's a bit of a tangent because uh, I I started watching uh, Twin Peaks the the third season just uh, just recently just actually last week. Uh, I hadn't, I, you know, Very I didn't, late in the game. I, I, I know I, I, I didn't watch it when it first came out and I just kind of like, didn't feel like watching it. And I finally started watching it and you know, and so I, it's, it's fresh in my head. And then I started watching the Adam Curtis documentary here. And like, I realized, wait a second, there are actually, there are actually a lot of similarities between, between what, um, Lynch does what Adam Curtis does. I mean, first of all, it's sort especially of in the specific ones, right? Yeah, the, the but yeah, especially in the, in the newer, in the newer, the newer Adam Curtis stuff, which is a lot more uh, associative, a lot more, um, you know, has a lot more music. Is like just it's it's very um, sort of it jumps around quite a bit without but also has all the characters back. Well, wait a second, I'm getting there. <laughs> You're, um, it, which is like starting with the actual font that's fonts that they use. So Twin Peaks has this font, which is this black surrounded by neon green. I don't even know what the font is called. Look, Adam Curtis's font is just famous. You have to know he always used Helvetica. Okay, that's Helvetica. But what about the the Adam with the um, 
Mm, you mean the title of the film? I don't know. The title of the of Twin Peaks, because it's like very know. similar. They, I mean, if you actually put them side by side, they look very similar. But then the the associative quality of it, the 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 the, the way that the filmmaking is done, especially the new Twin Peaks, which is the, it's like there's no there's no linear narrative. You, you cut in and out of like of different characters, of different time, of different you know, uh, of, of different realities. There's like just dancing sequences. And, you know, you, you, he, you kind of, what and what Lynch does in the, the new Twin yeah. Peaks is creates essentially a kind of a Trump, Trump modern America, you know? He, it's like, the, but it's like this, the, the dream world version of it. Not like the, re, the real, I don't know, like this, the psychological version of it. I don't know, the, 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 the right, the, the, the Trump America, like right under, under, the, under the surface. And Adam Curtis is trying to do the same thing, right? Yeah. With, 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 with assembling all this historical footage. I mean, they actually are, it's almost like a, a very similar genre. It's pretty weird actually. Uh, and, and if you put them side by side, you, you know, they, 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 there's a lot of similarity. I mean, the, the associative, the dreamlike quality of both of them, the, the attempt to psychoanalyze everything or, or yeah. to, to make films as like psychoanalysis almost. I feel like Lynch is so much more successful in this. Of and, course, uh, yeah. And you pointed, you pointed out he creates his stuff rather than taking other people's stuff and editing it. Yeah, he's not alone in the room, like re-editing archival material. It's true. And he isn't like telling you what to think Mm-mm. directly, which is... Um, you know Adam Curtis's kind of style, which can you know, which is sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But but they are there's a lot of similarities to them. I mean, obviously they're totally different genres, but they're but they're both I think trying to get at something right under the like skin. Subliminal, yeah. So, yeah. They're trying to get at something deeper than just what's what we see around us. Such a big difference. So Adam Curtis does this like omniscient narrator, God's voice with his Oxford like Queen's English whatever <laughs> accent. Yes. And you know, <laughs> and, and, I think it has its limits. And David Lynch it has its limits. And David Lynch does this kind of Midwestern sort of everyday kind of brain man. dead also. Yeah, big brain that can't actually express a single a single complex thought yeah, when he's right. when he's speaking. Yeah. The opposite. Yes. Almost. Can't talk. Yes. No. Exactly. But can. But he's almost. Whoa. This is like straight from. Okay. I'll, I just realized it's almost straight from um, Philip K. Dick. Uh, I think it was. Which book was uh, Ganymedian Slime? Oh, that's the the, appears, Alphane, the clans uh, of the Alphane Alphane Moon. Moon. There's yeah. this character, but it sometimes appears in others too. As if there's this type of um, sort of alien race. Yeah. And they're slimy. I think Ganymedian. I'm not sure I pronounced right. Yeah, Ganymedian, Ganymedian slime. slime. Yeah, so. And it's uh, <laughs> it can't talk. Uh, it's kind of actually pretty benign and it's kind. It's like a floating ball of slime, right? Not slime. Floating. Might be floating. Anyway, it's slimy <laughs> and it's like just talks to you through, through into your head through your thoughts. Yeah, and also it's uh, uh, I think telepathic and can also see your thoughts too because that's how it communicates. It, re- it reads but your mind. Yeah, it reads your mind, but also you you can talk to him through reading kind of his mind. That's almost Lynch's is the kind of medium slime For, of society. Uh, basically, yeah. no. He can't say, but he can transmit. He can transmit through images and through. And, uh, and if I you see sit you next to like whatever, yes. it, you have, I have to be next to TV because I yes. don't know he him. Yes, he can transmit through the through the movies. He constructs it. Extremely complex, extremely very deep. Com- yeah, very complex. But he can talk. Yeah, slime can he can't talk. Fo- yeah, he he he's not like yeah, he's not like uh, yeah, he's not a preacher. Uh, like like uh, Adam Curtis's. Yeah, but in the end, the the end kind of result, or at least seems to be the goal, similar. Not Maybe, the result. I think the goal and their techniques are similar too, right? to some degree. Yeah, the techniques are similar in terms of just the way that they use images and the way the nonlinear stuff, the attempt to get always underneath, underneath, and the and the very 
I don't know what you, how you'd call it. Is it called like associative editing or associative the way that you, the montage is like where it's completely, you know, well, it's not. I guess you would call it because I, I, I originally, because montage is like basically invented by early Soviet filmmakers and montage is, or, yeah, it's basically intellect, intellectual associative, might be even intellectual montage when it's sort of just. There's not necessarily like an idea, action yeah, based. No, no, no. It's sort of like idea based. Yeah. So you have to think why it even connects. And with Adam Curtis, it's easy. He just tells you. He, He's like, now we're here. I'm actually here. So so someone, I think if, it's if, intellectual if montage. If someone wants to like uh, prove me wrong or like prove, see that if I'm right and uh, tell me, get back to me, which is, you know, watch an episode of Twin Peaks, you know, and then watch an episode from uh, like... The Return, late. but it's very important because yeah, the, the return. return is the most massive one. Yeah, The Return one, yeah. From the, from the newest Twin Peaks to The Return and then watch an episode of, I don't know, either high, or watch part of Hypernormalization or watch a part a series of, you know, an episode from this new series that he's made. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, okay, so you think that's kind of close, but then <laughs> what we found out from our friend, also you can, let's say, watch... Um, like a second episode of the new Docker series can get you out of my hand. And then since you're watching on YouTube, you might by accident go into an episode of Adam Curtis earliest series something like i don't know the, the trap or uh-huh. and it will seem almost like seamlessly kind of yeah. continuing because 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 rowan our friend who was watching it and he said that it, then like then then it was like late at night and then youtube just did autoplay after this one end after or after it, third whatever the, it just it just ended the episode and then there was autoplay and then something came on but he thought it's still the he same thought it show was the, it was the next the next series uh yeah. it was next episode in the series but actually it was a totally different documentary that adam curtis yeah but for a while you could still follow because again <laughs> how if it's already so far-fetched and there's mao and limon of an yeah. mk ultra why wouldn't it be more of a some kind of say yeah. mind control You're, you yeah yeah you like you, you he forces you to suspend any kind of judgment um because you like it's never nothing is ever resolved and always new threads are always brought up uh, with the expectation that they get resolved somewhere down the line. And in a way, you can almost like, it's actually kind of perfect because he, he forces you to sort of open your mind a bit because you're, you're not judging. You're like, he actually forces you to not come to a judgment of yeah, what you're watching. Yeah, but he's telling you exactly what to think yes, with while his telling voice. You, exactly. So, but, and so, he, so that's what I'm trying to say is that he is, opens you up, making you, it's sort of taking away a critical faculty that you're, you normally have when you watch something. Suspending belief, you know, it's suspending disbelief or whatever you okay. would call it, and then, but also then, just like injecting you with things. With his how, stuff. How, yeah, basically, he's uh, um, almost like, almost like um, um, programming you. Basically. Or he's like the guy playing the flute with the whole snake thing. Yes, what do you he's call hypnotizing it? you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but th- that's actually where it gets paradoxical. I know we're all paradoxical, but so is Adam. Uh, if you his interviews are great and as Yasha pointed out actually interviews sometimes more interesting than films because yeah. he like especially his latest <laughs> yeah because he like tells you stuff but he's like this is what I think rather than like yeah. I am God and yeah the, but the paradox and I think almost like I don't know dishonesty or he might be not aware of it is that when he talks about his work and about himself and his motives he always say how he's just a journalist how he's like just trying to figure out the world like with all of us and uh, kind of wants people to think for, yeah. for themselves and you know see how like, I don't know unfree or where all, where all it are in this like I don't know late capitalism system whatever but if he really means that it doesn't fit that he has this omniscient narrator voice that tells you exactly what to think and 
at least if he was honest that that's what his goal is but it seems to be the opposite of what he's trying to do and yet he's doing this it's yeah. it, so actually very confusing no exactly so so he's, he's very rigid he tells you exactly what to think and also he's very rigid about what other people are thinking and what other people are intending and what other interpreting people, them in right he's, yeah, he puts his own interpretation on things and, and it, there isn't like doubt in it you know there is or there isn't there, yeah. is, there isn't even a, a hint of doubt so there's always he he, he has access to their inner inner lives and, and inner thoughts inner sometimes thoughts, he yeah. starts saying like what nixon is thinking right yes. now in this episode i'm like i'm not sure do you yeah like you in his head and it's a cool approach you as a writer probably like, i do it sometimes it. yeah but yeah but he's he's really but i mean well, yeah so <laughs> there's, a, there. there's there's definitely i agree with you there's the paradox of him of him basically of him saying like he just wants people to sort of think for themselves and uh, figure things out for themselves. Mm-hmm. And part of what the problem with modern society is... It doesn't allow us to think. It doesn't allow us to think, and it also doesn't give us, like, um, you know, we, we, we can't see beyond, like, what we, what's in front of us today. And, on the, on, and yet, on the other hand, his work is, is extremely um, almost totalitarian in the sense that, like, it's extremely rigid in its interpretations and its, in, in its, in its narratives. I think it yeah. would be perfectly fine if he was openly this kind of Leninist persona, yes. you know, like openly Leninist. I use Leninist as just, I don't know, that's the first reference I have. When you openly kind of ideological about and you know you kind of want to prove that you're right, your yes. ideas are right, is that's what people should do, thing, and then that's fine, that fits yeah. then. <laughs> but he's hiding In his behind... he's not like that. No, yeah. he's hiding beside, behind this constant facade of saying, I'm a journalist, I'm a journalist. It's all like... Yeah, sure, it's emotional history. I think he either coined it or he comes yeah. to say how he does emotional history. Yeah, it's not like, you know, like yeah. some kind of boring bullet point thing, but but still. No, no, and it's and it's and, and when it works, it works. When it works, the, the hypnotic quality, it is almost like, you know, like, I don't know, it's like the, it's not exactly this because, you know, like in, in Clockwork Orange or something where you're like sitting with your eyes open and there's like images are flashing in front of your eyes. But you're, you're, you're being like basically reprogrammed mm-hmm. in his best moments. You know, the him, him like sort of dicing up the narrative forces you to suspend disbelief for a bit and, and suspend judgment and almost suspend critical faculty while like doing like cool music while that hypnotizes you and then and it flashes the interesting images and then while he while he's while he's talking into your head yes <laughs> yeah. so there's like that's what i'm saying so the visual nature of it and the auditory nature of it this the music like forces you to kind of open up meanwhile there's a propaganda line being put into your head and you don't even realize it and so it's actually hard to when you when you come out oh someone's dancing when you come out of it you can't even remember necessarily what happened no but like the the thoughts get kind of uh, you know and this is why you were saying partially the 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 title of of this episode is get out of our head get out of my head adam curtis yeah um and so because there is a there is a there is a He's yeah, he's programming us, you know, and and hope and it seems like he's kind of doing it, you know. For it's it, the the programming isn't necessarily bad. It's a good it's good programming because it's trying to like yeah. no, no, it's, try, it's trying to like get you out of a little bit out of the um this kind no, of like it's, like, os- it's supposed calcified. to be empowering. Yes, and again because in reality Adam Curtis doesn't have like a cult that I can join after six. He uh, should or think seven of hours. creating no. it maybe though. <laughs> no, no, but yeah. listen, so after like I don't know seven hours of watching this. <laughs> If there was some kind of website I can go to and be like, like a Scientology, yeah, and press buttons and join his cult, that would be one thing, and then you would be hundred percent right. But since he's not doing it, so it is supposed to be empowering. I got so you. So I'm yeah. not there to. But like, he's, but he's, but he's engaging in like in, in almost like a CIA propaganda brainwashing technique he's himself. MK Ultra. Yeah, because if you just get like what's what's missing is electroshock therapy and like deep doses of acid and and and, and barbiturates. No, but in the purpose too. Yes. Yeah. Well, they wanted to like yeah. They were just Unless the, yeah. there's a 
25th uh, frame and we don't know and I'm about to kill someone in two weeks. Or maybe it only works for like, certain, yeah, maybe the, the, the intended message is for someone else. That's what I'm saying. I just don't know. Because it it's not intended for us in particular. But it's or you made. don't know what's the intention. Yeah, well... What's what, the what, 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 we, we, they thought they were just uh, enjoying an Adam Curtis film. What they didn't realize was they were being like groomed to be assassins. Well, actually, yeah. this time because we we're so like not really hundred percent engaged in his uh, what do you call it, <laughs> zombification, uh, we could really pay attention to the language he uses. Yeah, and turned out it's like. <laughs> it's pretty repetitive and very specific. Yeah. Did, did you write down the whole thing? Because I, I have, have my I have, own. I have a list of some phrases. Yeah. It's like stock phrases. Well, yeah, because he, he has the... Because he, he... Right? I mean, he has... Like, I, I don't know how many narrative lines he has going, but there must be like must be like 10 at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and definitely by the by like the time you get to the third episode which we ended you know he, there's at, at least a 10. I mean, must be 10. So he's... And he's always cutting. Sometimes he get he... He will carry a, a, one narrative thread for like a minute or two and then switch over to another one and go mm-hmm. for like a couple of minutes more or 10 minutes and switch over. So and even within those narrative threads, he sometimes splits and does like different times. You know, he jumps around like from, you know, not, you know, from like a, a 20 decade, years forward, two days seven, back. Yes, yeah, two, <laughs> and then two forward, uh, you know, back. So he's always has to do these conjunctions, right? He's always has to join the things together. And so he's always got like, you know, so I'll just read out some of the ones that I have. Meanwhile, at the same time, at that very moment, but he believed what he was really doing, just a facade, a deeper meaning. Instead, dramatic shift, millions of people, hidden systems of power. That's not, a, that's not a transition. It would lead to hidden forces. What he didn't realize was at the same time, something frightening, just below the surface, hidden fears inside. Suddenly, he, she began to realize, faced with revelations. Yeah, but it sounds like um, actually something Lynch could write as his song because Lynch is also a he musician. Put a beat on it, yeah. Yeah, and he does this weird sometimes weird associative <laughs> kind of poetry as songs. I mean, he's look, he's a, he's an impressive guy. I mean, I I kind of want to. It's easy to want to hate on him, and I know that a lot of people. And it's easy to parody that stuff. Yeah. And and there's actually a parody out there called I think something like tra- uh, the, the most famous one on YouTube for a f- yeah. few minutes. And Adam Curtis himself embraced it. Yeah. There was some interview. He said, "Well, it's really." funny really good very talented so yeah. I no, mean, it's not, not like it hurts him i mean there's a lot of people look, he's 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 um it's easy to hate him and i i'm not actually even wait, though sometimes, no, wait, i don't hate him no. just trying to laugh no no i know you don't hate him I, but he's just it's he's he's interesting he's an interesting guy i mean I, I i don't know why maybe people who are just discovering him you know he's going mainstream maybe to to them this f- seems super fresh like you know they're watching the series and it's just blowing their minds mm-hmm. you know i i just it's hard to know i'm just trying to be as like as 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 generous as, as possible here. Like, it's hard to know whether, you know, I'm already jaded and, like, completely stuffed with just information. And, and But also, you know, you've, you've watched pretty much ev- yeah. pretty much everything Adam Curtis did, so, like, till, till this day, till, yes. till this show. So I feel it's a very different thing. And since... And as, too, as we, yeah. It, yeah, and me too. So, so we kind of, like, oh, <laughs> it's like the jaded. But I think, as, as we said, he's just breaking into mainstream since yeah. hypernormalization. For some people, it's also new. Yeah. So I, I it, feel it can be... It doesn't matter your age, but it can be very, like, revealing. Or just, like, it's, sh- it's shocking and avant-garde and, and yeah, and, and um, just sort of surprising, just the way that he... Just the way that he tells a documentary. I mean, you know, like oh, just the way that he's taken the documentary form and, and twisted it and made it and made it his own. You know, like he's, you know how like okay, you know how so like all this conceptual art, you know, quote unquote conceptual art, uh, as if art, it, it, all art is a conceptual, as you like to say. Um, 
<laughs> you know what? You know how like you go to these modern art exhibits and like you know these are forgettable. You know, but people have these um, explications. Explications, but they have they they they'll have like what do you call those things? The you know um, installations. You know, they'll have some video stuff. They'll have some robotic stuff. They'll have a mixture of video art and robotic stuff. And then, you know, and they're always like critiquing capitalism or they're critiquing, you know, consumerism and they're critiquing neoliberalism. And, and then you're like, you come up to this thing and it makes no sense whatsoever. It's just, a, you know, a pile of junk. Sometimes, sometimes this stuff looks more interesting. Until than you a, read. And then you have, to, yeah, yeah, then you have to walk yeah. to a wall and then you read, you know, a giant block of text of academic text that it, it, it explicitly explains to you what they mean here, you know? And that's like, that's supposed to be political art right today. Yeah. And, and Adam Curtis you know, transcended this stuff. He like, he, he he's actually doing what they want to do. I mean, they would never have even like course, half yeah. brain to do that. So he's actually, and he's taken this sort of almost like video installation art or something, you know, or like video art. Like post and yeah, whatever like, they call it. like YouTube video art. Like he's taken the, 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 he's taken the art and made it political, but also, but made it relevant and made it beautiful and made it watchable, you know, on all these things. And, and so he's done something no one's, no one's done. He's, you no. know, he's definitely going to, he's going to, he's like going into art history. Like for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like yeah. As and a, actually for the, for the person who constantly, at least like openly talks about how he's not an artist, he's a journalist, he's a journalist, he's a journalist. Um, he's been collabor collaborating with artists a lot, with musicians. He's constantly uh, not constantly, but often invited to do some like art talks. Yeah. Artists love him, respect him, and he constantly tries to separate himself from that world, which is probably a smart thing to do. Definitely a smart yeah, thing. Because not to be to, called an artist is to is basically yeah. to be to be insulted. I think, it's at yeah, this point. and I, yeah. I understand him, but the, the reality of it, he's you know he, yeah. he's closer to like being the sort of avant-garde modern artist, I'm, truly so. Yeah, he is. I mean, he is that. Yeah, he, no, he, he is that. He is More that. than the people who call themselves because that. Because they come out of this, like, extremely rigid, uh, I mean, rigid ac academic framework, and, you know, it's very rigid. There's a very particular platform that you're showcasing your thing in these kind of galleries or, you know, in academic institutions or whatever. It's not very people's area. No, it's no. not people's area. It's, it has no, yeah, there's no... Um, and some of them probably would like to be more accessible, but they don't even know how. Yeah, and there's actually, in, you know, like there in the, uh, there's, yeah, like so he's he's um so if you actually look at him as as almost like yeah if he actually makes a lot more sense as a as much more the, you know much more yeah much more sense as an artist or like a, as a political artist like a than a, than a yeah than a historian than a or a journalist or something like that yeah for sure and and then yeah and then it, I guess comes together better almost then a lot of the critiques that people have of him is like oh well he you know he he bends like he actually bends the uh, facts and he well, bends some historical we process even say then it's completely irrelevant but since he is presenting himself in a different way yeah no it's true <laughs> you know that's and, how yeah and one thing you know I remember like because I never even I remember because he had this great blog he doesn't run, write it anymore he, uh, it's BBC, almost right? when he kind of stopped in, or in between projects he would have this BBC blog where he would do these blog posts slash you know with embedded videos and, mm -hmm. and they would be great almost they'd be better than some they, of his they movies they almost seemed like film treatments yeah exactly like treatments and they were and they were concise and so they were very like they they weren't sprawling so like he mm -hmm. had like okay i'm gonna do something about you know the how spies are insane and how they're like completely cre create their own paranoid world that has nothing to do with the, the real world and he'll tell a little cool story about you know a british spy and 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 it'll end on that you know he won't try to like connect it to you know like uh, a hundred year sort of um, arc of history and transformation which he tries to do in his films especially in the last films few films that he made um, 
but he, you know, so he, so he's, he did some great things. I mean, one thing that we, because we, you know, we're, we obviously know, know much more about Russia than other parts of the world um, in terms of just the history and the culture of it. And I mean, I know that I said that it's, you know, he's, he's an artist and it's maybe, maybe not the, the best thing to, to do is to, to um, um, crit, critique him or criticize him as a historian, as a journalist. But I, but I think he does deserve the critique to, to some degree because he does present things as absolute truth. So, and, and some of the stuff that he says is like downright, like, I don't know, he, I mean, just kind of annoying and very, um, I'd say kind of harmful if people believe what he thinks, especially some of the stuff about, well, we know about Russia and um, I don't know how to introduce this actually. But basically, okay, the, the, that's this thing we partially why we even wanted to record an episode. Uh, if you know a certain uh, part of history that Adam Curtis would cover in his films intimately or really well for some reason, then you start noticing such um, kind of like gross generalizations, weird sweeping like connections, and then uh, that happened with us with his like ru- with how he treats uh, uh, Russian material about Russia and Lomonov, and then it makes you think, oh, if that if that's he does yeah. he does to stuff that I know, what the hell he does to the things that I know very little about, and take. Um, you know, and take mm-hmm. it for granted and kind of like allow it to just go into my brain and remain there as a true fact or something yeah. of that kind. If he is not an yeah. artist with this like um, sort of associative installation project yeah. and more something like oh, true history here, yeah. true emotional history, then it's a bit, pro- it, it is bizarre. And I, I do want to talk uh, about um, kind of the, his Russian angle that's, I wouldn't call infuriate me, but like boggles me a little bit. Yeah, because please. I know he is, I don't know, I don't know if he can read Russian, maybe, right? He's like, isn't know. he polyglot? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he reads I know Russian. He's, he's a, yeah, he's a definitely, he's a definitely very interested in Russian culture and very widely read and knows the, the music, knows the literature, knows yeah. the films. So I, I just don't know what's his, basically how he deals with sources, yeah. what he can actually himself read rather than get it through, you know, translations. Which, you know, which so is that guy, I don't know. Which is kind of, which is a bit annoying to me because he is very, he is actually very um, closed. Like he doesn't actually talk about himself very much even in the interviews he doesn't really talk about he doesn't really divulge too many personal details does never never do that. Yeah. Since he, yeah. <laughs> we don't know anything about him and so which, which is totally fine yeah. and in the in the kind of don't you think in the moment of like overly exhibitionistic behavior that's almost refreshing yeah no it's true but i mean what i mean what i mean by that it'd be nice to know you know when because he's because he, he you know he goes far outside of his own culture Right. Way uh, not just like you know the culture of England or Britain uh, or the British Empire even, but like he goes out into you know of course America. Middle everyone East, everyone can go to America because everyone knows about America. But like he goes to Russia, he goes to China, he goes to the Middle East, he goes all over the place. Yeah. So the question is, what are your cultural? Um, yeah. What is what, what draws your, you? Yeah. What mm. draws you, and what is your tie to it? So how do you how do you know these things? Do you know the language? Have you lived there? Have you I traveled there? Have you, yeah. So, like, and so, you know, for instance, you know, our friend and and, and John Dolan, you know, he's he he also kind of um, goes widely in his interests and in his analysis. But I know that he's lived in many of the places that he he writes about. Um, he knows the languages, uh, and so like, I, and and he talks about this. He's and open he openly up, talks about and it. Open, yeah. Openly talks about his travels through there or his experiences. So you can like, there's an implicit trust with his own. Sort of, you know that this is a viewpoint, but you also know where he's coming from. And so, with Adam Curtis, is, I, I'm actually curious. So he he, he speaks Arabic. He speaks uh, he he, know, he understands Farsi. He speaks understands Russian. 
he understands which dialect in China. Not that he never divulges anything. Uh, he would say that primarily he is driven by, which is normal kind of desire to understand the whatever the cultural moment. And why is it so sprawling? Well, because the world is obviously we live in globalism. Globalized connects to this. He is a metropolitan citizen. He's I don't know lives in London. That's natural that he sort of goes that far. But but you're right that how he does it and what the hell then <laughs> how he judges. He's not God, right? Yeah. He, even though he presents. His he's has a god voice and it, it's what makes his documentaries work and like yeah. the style work is the god translation you know yet like he gets his ideas and we he gets his information how. yes from not from direct objective observation of the world uh, most likely but might be not even a direct objective like observation yeah. but also yeah like god. <laughs> yeah he can just like he's zoom not in. god who can like just look at any moment any but place he kind of acts that way he acts that way he's and like, oh, we don't what's know, happening yeah. in Syria and we don't know Let the sources in. what are you what are you basing it on who are you reading and so and so one thing that like gives us an you know he's clearly basing his sources uh, on he's widely read he reads uh, journalist histories all these things and so like for Obscure instance books and, for, and for the stuff that he did on russia and particularly sort of the the rise of russia's sort of disinformation and sort of managed democracy in, in russia under putin and like the sort of the rise of this putin's great cardinal uh Vladislav Surkov, yeah um, we know that he got his information from from a particular book, and that particular book is extremely. We yeah, we, we talked about it in a previous yeah. um, episode when we talked about emigre, Russian emigre literature, um, and and we know that that book is very propagandistic. It might be an interesting book, it might have interesting theses, but it's actually very propagandistic and and uh, and is essentially di- uh, uh, literary disinformation um, that gives you a, a, a wrong picture of what Russia is like and of the origins of sort of Russia's managed democracy and of where, you know, like the state has control of uh, the media and it sort of creates political parties and it uses modern marketing tools to bamboozle and to... to say what's the book, Peter Pomerantsev. Yeah, and so so we know that he Nothing gets, is true and everything is possible. I, I just want to reiterate... Yeah, the book, yeah, yeah. That was definitely a bestseller. Uh, it kind of fascinated me too. Very easy read, and uh, which makes it <laughs> kind of worse because it's an effective propaganda. Yeah, yeah, and and we know through a friend that uh, Adam Curtis was fascinated by this book. Yeah, and it's pretty clear that he's he's fascinated by it um, because he. It's pretty clear he gets his. He, well, first of all, he 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 wrote. He um he wrote about it. He wrote about the, he and he talked about talked about that he got this information from the, from the book actually in one of the blog posts I think that he posted. And, right, um, right. And so, but so so like so when we look at that, we we kind of see and it's very it's a very neoconservative kind of book actually. Um, and what it's about really it's it's trying to like pin. He wrote this before Russia Gate and before the you know the the 2016 election, in which you know basically liberal America went completely insane and not just America but actually it's all over Europe is the is the exact same thing where Russia is um, blamed for um, basically uh, you know inventing a new kind of disinformation science, disinformation techniques um, that through social media, through the internet, through um, television, through like clever uh, techniques that Russia invented, that only Russia uses, it's been able to basically manipulate the world and um, divide people and foster divisions and create conflict in, in in foreign societies, and like you know, in America, in the UK, and but also internally, and so. internally also, but like that, Russia is somehow unique, has a unique grasp and uh, use of information technology that it uses to control the world and to destabilize and it, the and, world. And also, is, yeah, basically, is the most avant-garde, politically speaking, kind of propaganda societies. Somehow, as if Kremlin 
through not clear what through yeah. just some genius people involved in its uh, in a, in its ranks not clear and and this uh, book by Pyotr Pomerantsev um, is actually a very key document in helping spread this idea and helping normalize it in in, in getting it in because it was a bestseller yeah and getting that idea about Russia being this this like really dark uh, manipulative society that is you know completely um, is in a, in a category all of its own compared to other societies. You know, it's like Rasputin or something, but like on Isn't a global Sir scale. referred to as Putin, Putin's Rasputin yeah, or something, something like that. Like but Adam Curtis clearly is also on that train, a bit yeah. surprisingly, because for a really avant-garde artist, I don't know, journalist, filmmaker, it's a bit surprising that he's exactly on that train yeah. too. And uh, the part of hyper-normalization, his previous DACA series from like, what, three, four years ago, yeah. definitely was that again. He has a huge segment that basically okay. reproduces... Um, the you know the, the kind of the main thesis of that mm-hmm. book and basically pins you know R- Russia's rise as this as this disinformation power right to this guy named Vladislav Surkov, um, um, and you know and and tries to um, what it what it ignores is something that we talk about I guess, on this podcast a bit is that the the disinformation uh, and modern marketing techniques and this managed democracy that is that exists under Putin it really it wasn't like that Russia invented it. They just adopted Western advertising techniques. But also Adam Curtis is the guy who made Century of the Self like doubly surprising yeah. that he would go there, right? Yes, exactly. Because so, he, he actually is, you know, if, if someone doesn't know, he definitely knows where the sort of original, yeah. I don't know, PR techniques, it, yeah. where that comes Marvel. from. Yeah, exactly. Not from Russia. Yeah, so, you know, in, in hypernormalization, there was this bit um, about Russia and about Russia's managed democracy, and he presented... This guy Vladislav Surkov, who is an advisor to Vladimir Putin, as this genius puppet master, um, like wizard Rasputin kind of you know, persona, who could, um, you know, who came up with a pioneering, dangerous, new, manipulative political technologies to to kind of give sense, to give a fake sense of life and of purpose and of of something happening in in Russia when there was actually kind of nothing going on. It was this. You know, neoliberal society, and no one believed in anything, so he kind of gave it purpose. And he made it seem like, you know, the, these technologies that he used or these techniques that he used were, were cooked up in Russia and were somehow unique to Russia. And that, like, and it's just, you know, and I, I, it sort of worked for the narrative that he was trying to craft, but it's just not true. You know, the, the, the reality is that a lot of these political technologies that were, you know, create a fake democracy in, in, in Russia that still exists today, these these fake political parties and, you know, you, then using advertising techniques, using television, using, you know, fake uh, political supporters that are paid and bust in, you know, for money. You know, these are all things that were, de- that were brought from the West and, and, and were developed in the 90s and were essentially borrowed, you know, from, 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 from Western public relations uh, and marketing uh, techniques. This they would Russia didn't invent these things, but suddenly yeah. took them on. Yeah, I think I was already plugged in somewhere. It might be on film psych back in the day. This movie that is like should be way more popular called Spinning Boris. Yes. Exactly on that. Yeah. Basically, this were American polit technologies. Yes. In, imported in the new kind of collapsed Soviet Union and now Russia and uh, the uh, 
God, what's the name of the guy? Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Even Goldblum. He's very charming, very, actually, really great role of him being a, a sleazy politicologist guy. Yeah. He would say, yeah, democracy is our biggest expert. Yes. And and how they, <laughs> yeah, and how they, they use focus groups mm-hmm. and, um, and, and to, to basically create, um, to give people... To, pr- to reflect back to people what they kind of want and, and, yeah. and to create a world that they want to exist, but it's all virtual and fake. I mean, and like, you know, and anyway, you know, the Russian government, it's not like Russia, um, going back to Tsarist Russia, the government basically created fake groups, fake opposition groups, um, funded various things right. as a way of creating a, a kind of a, almost like a fake civil society or, or fake control, you know, creating fake or controlled opposition groups, as I already said. But but also this um, you, kind of your, your take on the, this whole Russian managed supposedly super avant-garde kind of political technology is intensified by the fact that you know you were reporting on Tea Party and mm-hmm. folks doing whatever. Yes, it's like 2000, what 2009, 2010. But yeah, what they, they learned it from Russians. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Anyone who's intimately been following politics. That's, no, exactly. Right? He makes there's, there's it's a, it's a, it's a pretty uncomfortable um, narrative uh, that he crafts in light of like the you know the all the the, the Russia history. Area mm-hmm. um, that trying that's trying to pin everything bad that's happening in the world and you know pin all disinformation and all these things on this really uh, devious, uh, unscrut- unscrutable, you know, shifty Asiatic force, you know, from from you know over there across the oceans, you know, that we don't really understand it. That they're like you know, infiltrating every little bit of our society. Well, Peter's doing that, and Adam Curtis kind of giving his ideas almost yeah, the it's cr- like, credibility, it's like, which is and, super and weird. And saying that these, the, the, then the techniques that were cooked up in Russia by these people, you know, were basically made their way and filtered back into the West. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, Adam Curtis isn't saying that, but it, like, but it gives that narrative um, credibility, and he's, and it, it, it sort of helps fortify it. And I mean, you know, it's, 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 Probably one of the weakest and most uncomfortable parts of of his um, of his movies that I've seen because n- not only are they kind of distortions, but they're actually pretty harmful politically. And I know yeah. that I, I can't I don't I can't imagine that he actually thinks that, but it's a, but but he chases the narrative. It's like it's a great story, so he goes with it, and and it's kind of you know it sucks uh, because I do think it's actually harmful in a very subliminal way because you don't even notice what he's doing because like he, he again he injects this stuff without you really thinking about it it might be unintentional and even for me it took a while it took a couple I didn't even, sometimes I don't even catch it when I'm watching it because it's again he kind of does this thing with his with his video and his music he turns off your critical mind when you watch well, for some for, people, for or and some other people yeah, constantly yeah, say yeah. how he's, yeah, that he's like some kind of lefty propagandist. So for some people, when they even tune in, they're like lefty propaganda, left propaganda, turn, gotcha, turn, yeah. tune out. I just want to say that not even everyone ready to tune in into his <laughs> omniscient narrator voice, because that's what I noticed. Yeah. There's like a, a general idea of no, him. People, people who are, you know, people on the right hate him. I think, yeah, that's yes. what I'm saying. General idea of him, he's the left propagandist, which I, I don't think he is, but that's there. It's there. So I have a specific things I need. I need to cover before our brains completely cooked. Is that um, so? The hypernormalization, which again seemed to be like his first real big breakthrough film into mainstream, because clearly I noticed a lot more people would talk about it, write about it. That nothing like that I would encounter before with Adam Curtis stuff. And uh, to me, it was uh, twice surprising because when I saw that like this word attached to Adam Curtis' name and some film going to come out, 
I was like, you know, what is going on? Because I've uh, learned about hypernormalization as a term, something like maybe 2012. It is coined by a Russian, I guess you would call them Russian-American, I don't know, Soviet-American professor, anthropology professor of Berkeley, Alexei Yurchak. And I know that Adam Curtis gives him some credit somewhere. I mean, I don't know, it's still a little bit bizarre bizarre for me, the whole, the whole thing, because basically Alexei Yurchak uh, coined this term, which uh, he used... I mean, he mostly started using it specifically for, I guess, rhetoric of late Soviet Union. And uh, he used it a lot and explained what it is in his book, uh, Everything Was Forever Until It Was No More. Hypernormalization is actually just the term that was supposed to mean that um, when uh, no one believes in their kind of like the discourse of the society they live in, yet they cannot imagine that it will end or something new going to come. They cannot imagine it. It's almost like Mark Fisher thing, capitalism, realism. I got connected to that because it's yes. in some, in, and it's like core, it's similar. But basically when no one believes it and they start using, not, not believing in the discourse of their society, um, they still use that, that type of like language and that type of like rhetoric. That's what creates, that's what hypernormalization is because they basically hypernormalize the surreal quality Mm-hmm. of the place by sort of adopting it jokingly in a way yes. but then it's also where does the joke end if this is your reality and there's you don't really believe in the in the new reality coming yeah or you don't can't even imagine can't imagine you like you would want to it's not like so you're it's satisfied like, it's, it's, but like a, it's like a straight it's like a strange cynicism or, or you know but it's not cynicism obviously but it's like well it is kind of cynical in a way but it's like because but it's like, idealists yeah. would like fight back or, yeah. or would be appalled and this is slightly more urbane behavior, but also, but but also, it's bigger, right? Because I mean, what I remember you reading. Actually, I remember you reading. We we lived. We were living in L.A. at, at the time, and I remember you reading the book, and you you being really excited by um, the the kind of the thesis and the explanation because it did explain a lot. And he it, and he actually um, because it, it, he explained like hypernormalization happening in a society where um, like people are surrounded by certain you know. Um, like language, certain language, certain t- t- ways that people think about it. Like in America, people are like, we are a dem- democratic society. We believe in freedom. We believe in liberty. Meanwhile, you know, you, everyone, everyone kind of knows <laughs> it doesn't exist yet. Like they can't say that they don't believe in it because it would be like, what do I believe in then? Yeah. And yet, like you're saying, I believe in liberty. I believe in freedom. And yet, you know, you're dying on the street and you have like, you're, you know, you're basically a homeless person with a, you know, with an American flag saying you're an American patriot. That would be hypernormalization. That's hypernormalization. That's that. And, and so... And Yurchak saw that happening in, in late Soviet society where people knew that everything is collapsing. No one believed in this, you know, and, the and socialism. And again, with him, why I loved it, and I, I mean, well, actually, Adam Curtis has experience of, I guess, hypernormalization in the Western society intimately too. But Yurchak lived, and he's from Leningrad, yeah. and uh, I think he's, like, born something, what, late 1950s. So he's of that, it's called last Soviet generation or something. There's, like, a certain term. Mm. Yeah, he is of that generation that c- could exactly experience that, mm-hmm. gr- gr- like, to grow up around, you know, you know, the language you know the terms you know the belief system yeah kind of like this the shell of uh, i don't know what marxism leninism that no one really yeah. by that point what is it 70s 80s believes in yet knows so well how to talk like that how to write like that how you know all yeah. of this and you know and at the same time kind of laugh at it but also utilize it yeah really weird and very cynical very kind of it's actually, there's you know, darkness my there. parents talk about that my dad was saying how what what he doesn't like, he hated about the Soviet Union, you know, especially the I guess the, the late years, was that you know everyone talked about this way about brotherhood, about building socialism, about you know sort of equality. being against being against like you know being against all these bourgeois values and all this stuff and equality and all these things. Yet on the yet 
yet in reality all they were was about money and they want and like getting getting like some products and like talking about products talking about stuff talking about basically they were consumerist and obsessed well, with aspi consumer. aspiring aspiring but, they, no, but still people could be consumers in their own limited way but because it was limited it was even more you know um exaggerated true and so and so like and so him that 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 mismatch of reality to the official like sort of structure that you live in and that you can like recite you know basically if half of your brain is dead you know older people who grew up in Soviet Union and went to to any institute university doesn't matter uh, all I think all the faculties had at least I think it's over a year I don't know I should ask my mom I should ask your parents over a year of um, basically classes of uh, what is it uh, dialectic materialism yeah. with different quotes that you need to learn with different I mean no, like they whole really, passages that you need to memorize by passages by yeah. Lenin uh, passage, I don't know. It, it's, it, but also c c concepts. But uh, I'm not sure a lot of people really cared about it. It's not yeah. like they were politically active. They just had to take those courses and pass exams. And it doesn't matter if you become, if you're studying to be an anthropologist, I think, or a physicist, or I don't, it doesn't matter if you're getting higher education. Pretty interesting. It's like, it's like it's almost like you, so they really know. My point is that yeah. they learn the language well. Yeah, it's, like they know how to yeah. use the terms usually. Yeah. And it's like it's like it's like it's like beaten into you, but also it's beaten into you in like in the youth clubs, in the newspapers, in the programs, in the general mm -hmm. culture, because it's extremely controlled and yeah. extremely and everything is very like it's almost like stock phrases are always used, you know, stock um, like it, society is like sort of the yeah. So it's it, it's. But it's it, and you, what your Chuck was saying was that it wasn't just oh this is what happened in the Soviet Union this is what excited you right is that like he's actually making a connection to he was exact he was the making a connection yeah. it's not that he wrote that book and Adam Curtis looked at it and said whoa it seems like that's what's happening now no 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 Alexei Yurchak yes. just want to give him credit made the connection that the, the same thing that was happening in late Soviet society was happening in America and in the West because while like. Uh, while the shell seems stable and 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 you know and like and certain, no one really believes no this stuff really anymore. I mean, or like it. there's there's the beginning to be a, there's a, a rot. There's a rot and there's a distance between between the two and and um, and and so that his, his this concept right was basically the basis of the whole film. Yeah, because yeah. it is an intellectual concept. It's not like, again, you, you're doing it more justice. Yeah, it's not just about a period of like 1980s Soviet Union or something like that. He's saying we live, Yuchak was saying we live in a collapsing society and yet we're like, we're just, you know, we're, we're the signs are here. And, and, and Adam Curtis took it and turned it into this film. I mean, the basis of it. So obviously he always makes it much wider and he connects so many dots and introduces so many characters, but it is, yeah, it is the basis of the, of the film. And uh, I don't know if someone who would really would want to nerd out, I think I, I'll share because there are probably people out there. Uh, there's even, maybe even earlier, who knows, earlier or later, I don't know, when Ryurchak wrote his book, uh, Everything Was Forever Until It Was No More in, in Mid-Aughts, actually. It was just like, I read it later and then it was translated into gotcha. Russian even much later. Gotcha. So it's like kind of has like a second wave of... So he wrote it a while ago, wow. He wrote I think it in, 2005. It's pretty impressive. I thought it was for some reason later. Mm -mm, yeah. No. And then he writes this article, I'll probably share, called American Stob. Stob, yeah. Stob is um, a Russian word for parody. Uh, and he basically says, what late socialist aesthetic of parody reveal about contemporary political culture in the West? 
again, he tried to make this comparison of... Do you remember in the book, did he mm-hmm. talk about the Lenin, the mushroom incident in the book? You know, it's been many years. Cause, but it's in, um, like, it's in like the other literature that he wrote. Yeah, I think it's around. Because I think, I, I wonder if Adam Curtis got that from him because he, he did a blog post on, remember he did a blog post in Russia, Russia on Avant-Garden and Kuryohin, who's, who did this, who did this one of the most famous, um, basically political like pranks um, of, of like the late Soviet era where he went on this Soviet program and pretended to be an, an, a historian, an expert on, you know, Lenin and said that Lenin was actually taking, um, you know, these psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah, that's And right. actually all the revolutionaries, Bolsheviks were actually, you know, high on mushrooms. And, and this mushroom was like, it had this... <laughs> he said that Lenin is a yeah, mushroom. Yeah, this quality that it, once you start taking it, you become a mushroom. And so actually what he's saying is that Lenin was a mushroom. And, yeah, but, and, but it took him a while to get there, and by the end, he would believe it. Was like an, it was like an hour and a half program. It was like a lecture, and, and everyone who watched it believed it. And people, and it was because it was on state, Soviet state television. And it was a big prank. Anyway, uh, Adam Curtis actually does a, it's part of, a, I think it was a blog post that he no, did. No, it wasn't a, a blog post, of course, yeah, but yeah, I'm not yeah. sure I it wasn't. I wonder if he film. got it from him, is what I'm trying to bring Maybe. And, and that's like, it does have this tendency to be a little bit of a, kind of like smart thief. Yeah. I don't know how else to call it, and I guess it's fine, or you can also call it boring, it's fine, everyone borrows from each other. But in this regard, when especially someone is like very well, <laughs> much alive and well, yeah. that is a bit bizarre, that's, that, I, that's yeah. all. I'm just trying to put myself in like- Your chalk shoes. In, yeah, your chalk shoes. If like I wrote a book, you know, defining this concept, and then, you know, Adam Curtis came along mm-hmm. and sort of basically took the, the concept that I defined as the title of the book and like as the organizing principle of, his, of, of a film that was like the break his breakout film for you know into the mainstream mm-hmm. and maybe he even mentioned me once in the in the film mm-hmm. or I think he might have said like a Russian professor he might, like or that. Might, yeah he might not even made, yeah, he made, might be made, not even a name I don't think yeah he might have not even, not even named him and so like I'd probably be I mean, I'd be pissed. <laughs> you can imagine that now. You like you coin surveillance value. Just like we even can, though, though if someone will steal it and completely erase you personally from yeah, history, no, and it's I mean, not you'd be pissed, and it's not yeah. about your like petty ego. It's just unfair. No, and it's a, it's like it's actually kind of a big. I, I feel like it's actually a, a pretty big problem, you know, ethically as as like in terms of just if you're talking about intellectual um, honesty and like sort of intellectual history. I don't know, like. Uh, it is kind of a problem with Adam Curtis, you know, that where he does, he does pull these things from pe- from people's minds, right, and from people's labor, and he never really gives them credit. Um, I mean, it's, it's, sometimes it's okay when it's like I guess it's just maybe a little bit here and there. We all do it. I mean, I do it of obviously. I, uh, but although in my in my book, you know, when I you know when I wrote Surveillance Valley, like obviously it's not a documentary, um, but you know, like I was, you know, you're very very. Like every source is, you know, even if I don't really use the the quote, quote or something, I try to back it up. I try to say, if I got it from somewhere, you know, you I give try them credit to, to, I give them credit because yeah. it's actually important and it is important for people. Anyway, so but but with with yeah with um, hypernormalization, it's like it's he really took this guy's um, idea and he, I mean, I don't know what else to how else to put it. He like he kind of just ran away with it. <laughs> He just ran down the block. No, 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 <laughs> ran, no ran away. He grabbed it. And just no, <laughs> wait a second. Not just that. Yeah. And then sold it for a million bucks. Yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating. Well, I don't know if he sold it for a million bucks, but he, <laughs> but he, but he just took off. Imagine okay, your truck is yeah. walking down the block with his, with, and he's not even thinking that maybe no one really wants it anymore. It's not really valuable. Yeah. And then, and then, but then Adam Curtis is like, walks. It's like, oh, like, oh, it's like a piece of gold. It's like, what have you got there? He's got a hypernormalization, huh? <laughs> and he just ran up and he just took off. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, from from yeah. my perspective, I don't know. Not that I have to defend some still. I bet he's probably, I'm pretty sure your Czech is tenured professor. He's doing just fine. fine and yeah. he's pursuing like pretty interesting topics, by the way, about like Lennon's body. Highly recommend to look into his work. But uh, generally speaking, he almost deserves on some level a little bit of a kind of like almost Mark Fisher uh, type of um, respect in a way. Because like, right? Everyone knows that capitalism and realism is Mark Fisher. Yes. What it means, what it describes, yes. what we all feel. And it's similar. I That's just my connection. That yes. I think it's very similar to hypernormalization in some ways. Yes. And I think kind of it deserves to have a real name attached to yes. it. And then the work of that person, because it's not just a one-off. Yes. It's like his whole life work yes. in many ways. And, you know, kind of Adam Curtis just... <laughs> Ran, ran away with it. He just ran with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. you actually bring up a good point. Like if he took Mark Fisher's, uh, Mark, and you know Mark Fisher's not, not alive anymore, and he said, and he like said, oh, interesting. You guys are good capital realism there. Oh, it's, it looks pretty nice. No one's looking at it. You know, no one's looking at it. You know? he, just, he just grabs it and runs away with it, and then puts it on a documentary and says, you know, capitalist realism. And and then he maybe mentions, oh, there's this obscure, uh, you know, English. Uh, uh, philosopher yeah guy who was unemployed or maybe worked as a teacher or something you know over there like, no one really knows who he is like he might have coined it like at some in, in like you know hour three of, of the of the documentary he, he, people would be pissed I think you know if he did that but because but so I, I do think it, I do think there's a serious fucking ethical problem with it and 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 you know in a way he he's he's he, there's I don't know if there's a way out of it for him because he's created this kind of format that his documentary format makes it impossible to reference people, really, or to give people their due. Or not just reference, or even talk openly about his experience, how he got he gets his ideas, because it's so, like, omniscient yes. narrator, God voice. Yeah. You know, it's not, I understand how it is, it's not fitting for him to be, um, I was reading book, he, can, he yeah. can't, even it just doesn't fit, right? You know what could be, like, I mean, for instance, you know, like, so, the easy way to do it, I think, and, you know, Hollywood does this, is to just at the, the even their opening credits or the closing credits to put uh, inspired by the work of you know so and so or like based on the work of so and so because he has so many title cards one more wouldn't hurt exactly. you're right you don't even have to say it he doesn't do it he doesn't do it yeah I don't think it's the right way to do it you know he's he's yeah. and I, it's interesting he doesn't really no one's really pointed this out I don't think. Um, I don't see anyone really But that's because the people I feel who would actually care to point out there should be the people he's let's put like okay stealing from Yeah and Well there's only one person really you know that he's really done it Yeah who knows how how many out there with different books Well I just don't know In particular well no but in particular I think in hypernormalization is is stands out yeah because he he named it after this concept well i don't know what alexey urchak thinks about it he's probably flattered yeah like flattered by the attention maybe flattered by the attention and i'm sure it's you know again like he's not like it's not like he got passed over for it or something he's like you know he's a tenured professor again it's important he publishes books pretty regularly he's he's actually yeah he's yeah i guess if he was some sort of like let's say impoverished journalist with one book that would be something why are you looking at me you know No, but it would be very no. different yes, while the guy be. is like up there. I'd fucking lawyer up right, immediately. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, so in a way, he's lucky. He probably doesn't care as much. Who knows? Or he's he might have a very healthy yeah. ego and he's very generous. Who yeah. knows? He doesn't care to like claim it, you know, because he's a Soviet person who, you know, Soviet Union didn't have copyright yeah. of intellectual ideas or anything. We're back after crashing. We're back Which, after crashing. If. <laughs> 
No, but it's crazy. Yeah. Adam Curtis wasn't happy with... Someone is in my audition trying to like... Um, it must be Surkov. Trying to get into my audition and call, destroy my po- our podcast. So we already made the point, like I think very clearly about the whole your chuck, mm-hmm. stealing from your chuck thing. And um, we're not being petty with the inaccuracies. I think it actually is important. Uh, back to his newest, um, Adam's newest um, docuseries. But what I immediately noticed, so once the third um, episode kicks in and Lomonov appears there mm-hmm. and that's what was kind of my <laughs> what was I interested in how he would treat it that that becomes almost surreally inaccurate yeah. especially for someone like Adam Curtis uh, so he claims that because we did the whole episode uh, we talked to Terry uh, Marignac friend of Lomonov so I think people are kind of familiar at least who Lomonov was yeah. this um avant-garde writer and also leader of a leader of a political party in Russia but initially he was an immigrant uh, he had to immigrate from uh, Soviet Union and he spent some time I don't know what five six years in New York uh, part of the third episode is based on Limonov as a character and uh, from what we know he got things egregiously wrong uh, he basically uh, portrays him as a Soviet dissident mm-hmm. which if Limonov was alive, <laughs> And saw that he would, I don't know, you would throw like a, like, I don't know, a heavy object into the TV. He'd send he, someone as Nazbos to, oh, to, to beat him up, to beat up Adam Curtis so. up. He yeah. would beat him up. It's like, the, that's, that's by the way, British disinformation for you. Yeah. Uh, Limonov. Lamarov spits on dissidents. Yeah, and he he was he was even he didn't like uh, Solzhenitsyn. He never connected himself with the dissident kind of intelligentsia, Moscow, he, he was like an underground poet. Is what he was. Yeah, he was an underground. But poet. he was anti-Soviet. But he wasn't a dissident. No. And he wasn't for liberal democracy, seems like, ever. He wasn't really enamored by the West. And Adam Curtis, uh, I would have almost would quote, he would say something like, New York was not a city of his dreams. Dreams. Yeah. Talking about Lomonov. Well, meaning that when he came there, it's like life was hard. His wife left him. Well, it's not like it ever was, yeah. at least in this kind of sense of a dissident. <laughs> Lomonov, just to reiterate it, was not a Soviet dissident. I'd actually like to actually even, I'd say New York that he came to, the New York of the 1970s, this crumbling, crime ridden, you know, totally neglected city that's basically was abandoned by was society. Was the New York of his dreams? It was actually, actually yes, <laughs> was, the, was the New York of, of, of Lomonov. He, Lomonov was not a, like a bourgeois. No. Personality, he, you know, he probably had some, you know, probably had some kind of ide- ide- idealized versions of what America was. Uh, but he like loathed all the dissidents that were here in New York. Um, he like he even though he was kind of in with in with that scene, he hated them all. I mean, he and he and he hated bourgeois society. And like that he, and was the he whole... hated bourgeois society back home too yes. because there were the almost, Soviet bourgeois. Um, yeah. There was Soviet bourgeois and, uh, you know, <laughs> Limonov is a, was a provincial kid, uh, yeah, from Kharkov, which is like, whatever, it's the second uh, biggest city in Ukraine, but still. And uh, he likes talking about his supposedly like kind of working class. Police, basically, officer dad and mom, yeah. Yeah, you know, like kind of s- simple, not like liberal intelligentsia sort of upbringing. Anyway, and, uh, he, and he hated basically Soviet bourgeois dissidents back in Moscow when he moved there and lived there as, and had some actually success as a poet. Yeah. And and then when he moved to New York, the same people were surrounding him there, and he hated them too. I'm actually curious where he's going with that because he, he kind of almost ends with Lomonov, and he talks about this whole. It's almost like you know, it's the Adam Curtis has these narratives that are almost like stock now. There's, it's sort of like the the kind of the person who comes from the periphery of some the empire or like 
you know, um, and come and has like dreams about America and then comes to America and sees a decadent society, sees a society that, <laughs> yeah, that, that exactly, <laughs> I think, did I get it right? That, yeah. That, uh, that, you know, values nothing but like sort of, you know, these kind of materialist, materialist, materialistic lifestyle, materialistic values. It doesn't value, you know, anything other than, you know, it's this de de degraded kind of capitalism and this sort of bourgeois values. And then like, you know, rebels against it and then goes back home and creates some kind of radical party or creates some kind of radical politics that is against bourgeois values, against the West. I'm pretty sure he's going there. It's, I can see it. You know, the way he, he did it with the guy who, um, you know, helped. The Egyptian, uh, how did you pronounce it? I should, I should know better. I think Katab, Katub, Katub. Yeah, it's in, it's in this power of nightmares, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the, the kind of the transformation of why, you know, the sort of radical Islam kind of began as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a reaction against um, kind of decadent, American decadent Americanism and decadent sort of Western bourgeois values. I can see him going there. It would be pretty weird, you know, if he, if he actually tries to slot. I'm actually, I'm actually, that's why I want to watch the fourth series, maybe even like fast forward to some of the bits about Lomanov uh, because I am curious if he's going to go there because he does, he does like twist them into this almost like stock um, stock character, stock right? Adam Curtis character, which is the, the idealism coming to America being, and then the reaction sort of, um, to America, to America, and then create creating a reactionary movement that then radical triggers, nationalist yeah, party, that, that radicals. And so, you know, with Lamont, you can kind of, if you want to fit into that, it, it makes Actually, sense. Kind of, you you can almost you can if of. you tw if you twist some of the details. And yeah. so, like, yeah, so he goes back and he creates, you know, a very radical, uh, very sort of in your face, like a fuck you kind of party. It's you know the National merger Bolshevik. of yeah, merger of Bolshevism and and basically Nazism. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, and as probably the most, yeah, the most genuine and most successful political party, real political party in, in Russia, um, you know, it's sort of petered out and doesn't really have much, you know, life in it anymore. But, uh, but he did that and it was against, it was, it was against bourgeois values. It was for like the recreation of the Soviet Union, kind of the glory of the Soviet Union. There's a lot Why of... Why nationalism though? Soviet Union was, was nationalist. It was against, it was kind of against neoliberalism, yes, or at least against privatization of Russia and, uh, and sort of for the re-nationalization. I mean, it's kind of dicey on, I think, on, on yeah, some of the details. Yeah, but the national part, I didn't understand the whole racial component. Was yeah, it and, there? And, yeah, and there was, there was a nationalism there and which is now, which is, you know, why he's sort of like part of this red-brown conspiracy theories that are circulating in America, where he's like some sort of like fascist and anyone who likes Lomanov or, um, you know, um, respects Lomanov uh, as, as an author or as, as a politician is like actually, you know, basically a Nazi. Um, I mean, it's weird. There's a, there's a kind of almost like a Soviet kind of nationalism there where like Russian nationalism is defined less by ethnicity and more by your... Um, if like you, if you're for Russia, you're Russian, basically, you know. Yeah, kind. So it's not like it's not anti-Semitic. It's ne it wasn't. It was never really. It was never against immigrants. Uh, it. I mean, it, it. I'm sure it attracted. Anyway, we don't need to defend no, but, him. But there were. Weird, it was no, a weird. No, it was party. a weird. It was a weird match, and, and it was kind of shifted a lot. But but like the core part of it was pretty radical anti. I don't know. They didn't phrase it that way, but uh, but like an anti-neoliberalization yeah, of, of Russia. Although you know, it's, it was brought, it was just brought to our attention that that um, what's his name? Um, um, what's Lamanov, the guy who wrote the book? Emmanuel um, Carrer? No, 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 no. The the Nazball member who wrote the book about the being Zahar Nazi, yeah, You know, he was he was a co-founding member of Narod, the nationalist the nationalist organization that Navalny helped found. So Nazballs were actually involved in that a little bit, but like it's just a weird thing. Anyway, the point is. 
he 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 does shift things about the emphasis and sort of the detail, details of Lamanov's biography to I, I think fit a kind of an Adam Curtis character, which has the reaction. So we'll see where it goes, but it doesn't look very it doesn't it, it looks very manipulative. Uh, I mean, whatever. Again, but it's just that's Adam Curtis, you know. And he, also, actually, quite simplistic, as you say, a stock character for Adam Curtis. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be that simplistic. Not everything is about young idealism, love of the West, disillusionment. Come back to I don't know where you're from, <laughs> Egypt or Russia, and then I don't know. And then, <laughs> and, then, no, no, and then create back home the monster that then terrorizes America, right? Which is what, which yeah, is basically. Yeah, basically cause I, the, cause I wonder if it's going there because the monster always comes back, right? Yeah. Because I bet you he's gonna go there because he's gonna go to the to the kind of the Russian nationalism. But then he'll connect it all to Surkov. Well, no, I mean I'm actually curious because it doesn't actually sound very like a very good plot line. I mean because it would be pretty manipulative because. Like first of all, I'm I'm just curious where it goes, especially yeah. the, the Russia line, um, because I think it's one of them. Like, what's Lamanov gonna create in Russia, and what's this thing gonna? How is it gonna blow back to the West and to the to the heart of the empire? Because and you can almost tell it's like what. Is, I mean, hackers, um, Russia Today, um, well, yeah, Facebook know. memes. So, But, you know, despite all the kind of criticism, I want to say it was Yasha's kind of take, but I, I completely agree. You know, yeah, Adam Curtis, what is he? Is he in his, like, 60s? I think he's, oh, 65. Yeah. He's almost at parents' age. So he almost, like, he's kind of a boomer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, but my, he's born in 54. Or something. Yeah. On the younger spectrum of boomers, you know, he's like an old rock star, and uh, you know, you, he did great work, and he is a pioneer of a genre. And I still appreciate the fact you can watch anything by him for I don't know, 10, 15 seconds, and you would know it's him. Yeah. Even probably, I don't know if even you need the voice, even the editing style and yeah. the nature of what he chooses to show. So he's a real auteur in, yeah. in the kind of, even if he doesn't like to be called that. So I respect him a lot, but he's definitely sort of on the, I don't know, there's something withering, right? It a seems bit like, like Lynch. It. it seems like, I mean, it seems like it, like he, yeah, he's like, he's like an old rock star. And so you're kind of like... Come to see a show. Yeah, you still want to go to see a show and you still kind of appreciate it, but you're kind of, it's not the same as it used to be. <laughs> but he's still kind of like, whoa, Adam's still doing his thing. Yeah, and you kind of respect him for it. Yeah. I, I find your kind of insight into the whole weird, weird, actually. I guess most people would find it bizarre. Lynch connection is real. I mean, they, should do, they should do a crossover or something. You know, they, he, yeah. They should collaborate. Cause I, or Adam should... Yeah, they can collaborate on music. They, mm -hmm. can, they can do a lot of things together. Yeah. Because Lynch also, like, I, I like the return I, I was watching while um, supposedly sick with COVID last January yeah. and high on some kind of opiate drink that was prescribed to me anti-cough medication anti yeah. Uh, yeah, drink. yeah anti cough medication so that was like a per like the perfect combo but definitely there was, there is like a sense of some like mild senility and just you know yeah. mash up of there's like a very old person thing inviting mm. all your friends that and your kind of from collaborators all, yeah. from like decades before it doesn't even matter if if they fit, if they don't, you make yeah. them fit. Yeah. And it's it's almost like, I don't know, what's the version of that would be in just different other mediums of culture. You kind of invite them all over yeah. and that's like you're having like yeah. a blast. And in, who knows, you might never make anything like that again because, yeah. you know, you're like in your 70s. Yeah. But, yeah. Look, and yeah, and Adam Curtis has a similar vibe where he's, he's cutting in um, clips and whole sections and themes from... You know his, all of his his body of work essentially over characters, the last, yeah, over the last the several characters. decades, yeah, and 
Yeah, I mean, so there is like there is some 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 there definitely overlap between uh, Twin Peaks. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I'm over. Think that's uh, it. Uh, I'm over. But I'll say this about uh, David Lynch for instance, the Twin Peaks. Just to closing, I think you know the senility of of that series actually fits because <laughs> because again, I think it's a very Trumpian show. It's like it's like it shows like modern America and like this kind of the <laughs> it's a very it has a very Trumpian vibe and. Senility, senility of like the empire, senility of the people who run the empire, senility of all the institutions that uh, that 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 make up this empire, yeah. of all this, you know, like the, the like you know the the things that are like American, you know, the American like symbols of America, they're all senile and decrepit, you know, <laughs> yeah, totally. they're all falling apart. They all no one believes in it anymore. It's like it, it, the 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 performances of these symbols, you know, they're like they're, it's just you know they're there because no one can imagine anything new. Or different, but they're like so we deal with them, but like they don't hold the same power. And you know, Twin Peaks has all that. You know, like everything is kind of like empty, superficial, kind of poorly acted. Um, it doesn't make much sense, uh, uh, and yet you you feel good about them because they're around there. You know, and you like re you remember it's, there's a lot of nostalgia in in, in watching them go yeah. through the motions. But actually, whole senility and art. I first, I think, noticed um, this kind of Soviet artist um, that I like that he immigrated before Soviet Union collapsed. Alexander Milamed. He was part of this duo, Kamar and Milamed, um, who was making fun. Actually, uh, Adam Curtis would love them. Who were making fun of socialism, realism, mm -hmm. and were creating this like kind of like funny, surreal paintings and works, uh, kind of making fun of Lenin and rearranging kind of like known uh, words and imagery mm -hmm. of just like the official Soviet culture mm -hmm. into this like really surreal dark thing. And then they blew up obviously in the art market. So I think they were one of those like few truly successful artists. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and one of them <laughs> eventually, yeah, he settled I think in New York, but he's not like some kind of liberal idiot. And he was he was actually great on Curtis Kerr. He was definitely disillusioned pretty quick was just <laughs> West liberalism yeah. because sure like Soviet Union was surreal and horrible and hypocritical but if you move to I don't know America even in the 70s and as an adult and if you're honest and you know, <laughs> you know smart I think you sort of catch up quick <laughs> I don't know how long it takes you to what's going on here is also not like some kind of it's not utopia here not yeah. utopian and it definitely doesn't fit like the words that are, you know, yeah. that have been said do not fit the reality that you're actually living so and all that stuff but anyway but uh, he, he had this funny concept and he still creates some sort of interesting work even though he's old and he I think uh, coined this kind of term cynicism uh, because oh, he is himself old but he kind of plays with it he I think I don't know I, uh, I can't remember exactly maybe not new senility but cynicism so he does some like semi-shitty artwork like everyone else <laughs> but because he's like hyper aware of the <laughs> shitty nature of art world and he hates it I mean it's crazy yeah he yeah. probably made some money from older works yeah, yeah, that yeah. they were brought from Soviet um, Union but later on it's you know art world is a scam yeah and I think honest people kind of even acknowledge that yes yeah, cynicism how to pronounce it's senility. Cynalism, I don't know. Yeah, he calls senilism, it senilism. I don't know. Yeah. Senilism, and he thinks it's even good to be older and super senile because you even create better shit <laughs> because it's such shit anyway. Wow, because you're like, because you're almost like, it's all, you're like more, it's like more primal or something. More primal. And it's, it's amazing, always good yes. to be it's like almost, 
almost like not even there, almost out to lunch completely. Well, American Creek can create that art very well then. Yeah, but they're not. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but he has yeah. like a few layers to him. And I actually don't think he's yet senile. Even I got you because he's aware of it. He's, he's making of fun it. of it. Yeah. yeah, he's making fun of it. And I don't think he's senile. He's that's pretty funny. Yeah, I think he's actually true intellectual. He yeah. can talk about ideas and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, but that's like, <laughs> that's when I got from him initially thinking about, oh, that's a good take on just generally art production today yeah you know but, or, or just actually culture generally and, cu- and culture too but he's cultural, like most cultural production is like that i mean look at all the just it's all about like yeah it's just we, we live it's look we live in a senile empire that's a great um sort of genre to follow because people do post-internet there's cynicism yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> i work in the genre and <laughs> no no I, like someone can work yeah. in the genre and be probably someone respected <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's funny. It's like people use it as a as like a derogatory thing, like oh, but you're no. senile. No, and it is. Look, I mean, it's it's also just like fucked up because you're. Well, it's against all. It's against people. all people, uh, and and but like, but there is an, an interesting character to being senile, because there's like, I mean, you can kind of see it in Bill in um, in our president. <laughs> oh, Biden, because he's like there's like yeah. a weird because um, he's like you can see his old. There's like flashes of senility and kind of just like lack of awareness. And then there's like hyper moments of when he comes back suddenly. Yeah. And he's like Joe Biden when he's young. (laughs) And he's like very aggressive (laughs) and very assertive asshole. And then like he just sort of like shuts down. There's there's definitely um, an entertaining quality to it. There's an artistic quality to it. it. Uh, That isn't, I think, isn't. I mean, it's, it definitely also, comes out in memes and inter- in the internet and stuff, but it doesn't really. It also know. fits actually. Uh, Light Soviet Union for sure was uh, sort of had this senility yes. uh, by the nature of it been gerontocracy. Yes. Everyone knows like like America. <laughs> like and America is now, but yeah. I mean, clearly getting into this senile gerontocracy, which is oh, everyone made fun of Soviet exactly. Union and people would die every year. <laughs> like what is it, Chernyan can't drop yeah. anyway from like just old age and <clears throat> yes. maladies. But what about, what about now? And also the the concepts are old. Yeah, the, everything is every, like rehashed and just yes. Yeah, so and there's like everything has just been yeah. No, there's no and there's no there's no like um, no one finds joy in anything anymore. It's like no. everything just everyone's tired of the same old fucking thing and doesn't don't want to go on anymore. Really, just waiting for it to die. Yeah. So unless you're yeah. like this, great if you can kind of hold on to some kind of like idealism and activism and some sort of. I bet it's hard because nothing is really happening. But if you can hold on, sure. But I, I think I actually tend to almost prefer this sort of senility yeah. thing better because, first of all, it, you say it reflects reality. Well, I mean, a lot of the activism and a lot of the whatever left wing stuff they're, is they're like trying actually, to fight it. It's actually I, well, I'm no, not. but it, it has a it has a, the flavor of senility as well because it's always something that happened before. You know, it's like it's the old ideas, it's the old ways of thinking, it's the it's the it's an attempt to restore. You know, like like the whole you know the the Bernie Sanders movement and you know the DSA and also it's like again it's like they were like you know again it's make America great again. You know that's Trump's thing, but then for Bernie it's the same thing. Make <laughs> build it, back better. That's Democrats, but even the left sort of you know of that was was the new you know green deal. was the new Green Deal. It's like the you know it's the make the new the Green Deal great again. Again, it's like these old industrial sort of you know industrial society kind of ideas of, of what what it takes to, what it means to you know make make what, what does it mean to create a, a good society it's like give them jobs give them shovels let them dig you know like that kind of stuff let's you know make it a you know give them jobs got job job jobs like what does it fucking even mean anymore in this age of i mean obviously people need to live well and and have um you know respect be respected and and live meaningful lives 
but like no one can answer what that really means anymore. It's still about like work, 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 and create, 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 right? Bye, make, bye, make, bye. make, make. So it's like it's like the the stuff is also old. It doesn't no you know. I know Curtis obviously talks about this in all of his uh, all of the, what he makes, which is that everything is like a ref- everything is what's now or happened in the past. Nothing is new. So like there's not when there's nothing really new that and we can't. That's the that's the that's the that's the the cage that we're in, you know, like we're we're locked in it. And so, and he's great that he makes that point over and over and over again. It's an important. And you have point. to actually reiterate something to make it yours and for other people yes. to know it's yours. So he's doing the right thing, no, yeah. and he fully associated himself with this kind yeah. of narrative. But also, I mean, in some ways, it's much scarier than whatever your Chuck envisioned or lived through, uh, like late Soviet Union and hyperrealization. Because at least there, I'm not praising it. Whatever it collapsed, and people wanted to collapse, but they were looking up to embrace something else yes. even if it turned out to be an atrocity but what are we <laughs> no so, so what are we going to embrace now psychologically the soviet people soviet people you know for all the horrors that happened in the 90s like they had it actually much better in terms of they or that whole time they had the they had the shining example of the west and of western capitalism and all this stuff i mean that well i i would say before it collapsed 90s i think was really horrible i know People that but, were like, but they, not into it anymore well yeah but still but but the they, ones especially with the majority who got i know that but like but there was no I mean, got sure, they, got, they got screwed they got screwed but but there, at least there was there was something there you could like still pin your look people get screwed here all Maybe, the time but too but all I'm saying I think yeah. you, I don't know why I bring 90s I think it's more about before the Soviet Union collapsed yes. like living in uh, that kind of yes. guagmire even when your parents talk about what 90s has to, to look do forward to, yes. what does 90s have to do with it it's more about like the continuation of this like it's true. No, you know yeah. Soviet <laughs> lingo and no, all the, that yeah yeah, yeah, you had something to look. You had something to aspire to before the collapse. Yeah, and here, okay, let's say we constantly say collapse or oh, apocalyptic collapse is imminent. But what? <laughs> it's interesting. People, that's why people, you know, on the left, uh, you know, look up to China and stuff because they're like they can build trains and all this. Stuff. So, like, but that's not like that's not really again. But it's a, they have some kind of return to uh, their own kind of you know 1950s hyper industrialization, which I don't know if like that's what's good for the world and good for you know the future. But yeah, people don't have anything to look at. No model. Yeah, they have to reinvent everything, and that's really yeah. difficult. Yeah, even like what Jacobin writes, but like, okay, so we're gonna all have a uh, full automated luxury, like luxury, luxury socialism. You're gonna be served okay. by robots, and we're just gonna be sit around and be creative and make podcasts. Yeah, I think um, it's over. It's over, right? Go- I, I I definitely feel senile. Yes, yes, it's good. We should all we should embrace senility. I, I like that senilism. Yeah, senilism. Senilism. You I don't know. You know what? I would love to get him on the show. I know he's in New York. He speaks English. Let's he's such it. an interesting Let's guy. I've been a fan for years. Let's interview him. We'll try to get him. He should be, be in his seventies. Why not? Now. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, so yeah, that that might actually happen if we get. Oh, to, that's if, great! If we get to him, that would be amazing, actually. Yeah, Adam Curtis would be so jealous. We got hold of someone of we that need caliber. Copyright, we would need to copyright it, or whatever the thing that we do. <laughs> yeah, get a team of lawyers to surround it. Lawyer up. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, yeah. and, and and don't walk down the street with your shiny idea if Adam Curtis is around because he'll just fucking run up to you, snatch it, and just run away. Yeah. He's, he seems pretty tall. Probably has long legs. He can probably move pretty quickly. He seems in good like shape overall, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be back in a, in a few weeks. Yep. Uh, we're committed to do at least twice a month. Yes. So uh, we, we're committed to you if you're committed to us, dear listener. <laughs> so is the scribe? Is it what you're saying? I'm just saying. That's that's the pact. That's the pact. American boy, American joy, American-